you and I have always heard that when you're in someone's house, there's two things you never talk about, religion and politics. Well, Jesus gave us specific directions on how to talk about politics and what is the most important thing in our lives. My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist Church. And it's great to have you along. If you're listening along as a Life Connection Group leader, of course you're welcome. But uh, if you happen to stumble upon us out in the uh, world and just came and listened, we welcome you here. By the way, we do have paperwork that goes with this uh, by PDF, actually. And we can put you on that list if you would like to have this information on a weekly basis. There's no secrets about this. It's just information to help you study the Word of God better and also to help you do a uh, if you do a small group or do something with your uh, family and want to have discussion questions and other things, this might be a good opportunity for you to do that. So just contact me, T-R-E-Y, Trey, at Northwood, no S, Baptist. That's N-O-R-T-H-W-O-O-D, Baptist.com, all right? And I will get that and I'll put you on the list. And if you know of someone else that would like it, please let me know. We're talking today in Luke chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verses 20 through 26, and we're going to talk about Jesus and his and what he thought about politics. You know, everybody thinks they have a an understanding of what we're supposed to do and how we're not supposed to do it. And uh, certainly, there is more information in the Bible than just what Jesus said. But Jesus had certain opinions about politics that I think we should take note of, seeing he was the Son of God. And so, uh, it does matter what Jesus said. So. Even if um, you you don't like politics, or even if you do like politics, or if most of us who are somewhere in between, then this is a great message for you to help people understand. We're going to start in the message, and we're going to go over Pastor Tommy's message real quickly, and then we'll jump into the discussion questions and try to have you out of here in 20, 25 minutes. All right? Well, uh, as you know, 2024 is the year of the presidential election, and we have uh, people running, uh, not just, uh, everybody thinks it's just Donald Trump and Joe uh, Biden, but it's also others that are running. And so uh, take note of what they're saying. It's certainly important to know as Christians, uh, we do have the right to vote, and we should vote. And I think it's a great opportunity for us to take our thoughts as believers and to uh, be able to influence the society that we live in. Um, but uh, to try and catch him, the Pharisees thought that they should ask him all these weird questions. You remember what they've asked him over and over again. Uh, so now they get into politics, and they're trying to catch him, and we're going to see how they do that, all right? So we desperately need to hear what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords says about politics. And so there's two challenges from our Lord about this. The first challenge is this. You need the right political perspective in 2024. Now, let's give you a little bit of background so we can get back to where we were. It's Tuesday of Holy Week and the most significant week in human history, obviously. Jesus enters Jerusalem, had entered Jerusalem, revealing himself as the Messiah, uh, but not the Messiah that people expected because we're not going to end with a throne. We're going to end with a cross. So in verses 9 through 18, we have this parable where he condemned the religious leaders because they rejected him, and the religious leaders want Jesus dead. We know that from verse 19. They don't want the masses to follow Jesus, and he really threatens their power. So the religious leaders need Jesus 
to do something against Rome, some, do something that would cause him to be called a traitor or uh, something like that. So they come together and they trap him. And so in Mark 12, we have a better explanation. The Herodians and the Pharisees team up. Now, uh, by, by the, in general, the Herodians and the Pharisees were avowed enemies. And the Herodians supported King Herod, and the Romans supported, uh, excuse, and Rome, excuse me, while the Pharisees didn't. But they come together to trap Jesus. So they set the trap with flattery. First of all, what do they say? They say, you're a great teacher. So, teacher, we ask you, please, if you can use some of your wisdom to just help us settle a debate. And usually with those answers, people don't even like what the answer is. But anyway, this is their question. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, before you get too far ahead, this was a big deal. This was something that they debated over. And the Herodians and the Pharisees did. So it's almost like you had the Pharisees on one side and the Herodians on the other, and, and Jesus is looking at them, and he says, oh, I see, I see what's going on. So in this hot debate, uh, they, they decided that they would put what's called a poll tax in place. And that was a denarius, which, by the way, is a day's wage. And the Jews hated it because every time they paid it, they were reminded they were dominated by another empire. Uh, now, Tiberius was the, Kerman, the, the, the current, let me say that word right, Roman emperor. And if you held a denarius in your hand on one side, you would see the image of Tiberius. And, and it said, son of divine Augustus, the adopted son of Caesar Augustus, who was considered a god. And Tiberius, the son of God, on the other side, it said, high priest. That's the pontiff maxim. So Tiberius was God and high priest of his own religion. So obviously that was idolatry. And if you're Jew, you didn't even want to carry it around. So Jesus said, pay the tax. He would upset the majority of the crowd who expected a Messiah who opposed Rome. If Jesus said, don't pay the tax, then he would anchor the, uh, anger the Herodians who would report him to the Romans and, and then, you know, he'd be seen as a zealot trying to overthrow Rome. So Jesus knows that. He knows it's a trap. So he says, show me a denarius. Interesting, Jesus didn't even have a denarius to show him a day's wages. Uh, Jesus, so Jesus had coins. Uh, excuse me, Caesar had coins, Jesus had none. The real son of God, who Caesar thought he was, had no earthly wealth. Simple question. Whose image? The answer, Caesar. Jesus' mind-blowing answer, give Caesar what belongs to Caesar. The denarius belonged to Caesar, and if your image was on it, guess what? You owned it. He says, that denarius is Caesar's because it has his image on it. So, give it to him. You belong to God, that's the, that's the inference, so you follow him. And what we do when we follow him is we give what rightfully belongs to him. Well, how do we do that? We determine, there's several things. Number one, only one kingdom determines how you live. And by the way, that's good news. You know, remember, what happens on November 5 is not going to matter a bit, how, how it should direct your life or how you should live and what you should do. And whoever's in power in our country doesn't determine who you should live for, or what worldview you should be in. Uh, the king's already told us that we, we need to honor God. That's the primary call in our lives. If God's image is imprinted on your life, life's not about you, your success, dreams, and all that. And your life is not about living for someone else's dreams. Um, we're citizens of God's kingdom first, not citizens of any land or country. So we honor God. Number two, we honor others. After an election, we always hear, he's not my president. And so knowing who's in charge allows me or frees me up to honor other people. Jesus doesn't tell the Jews to ignore uh, Caesar's laws but abide by them because ultimately God would deal with Caesar. And you might want to look at Proverbs 8, 15 to 16 and Romans 13, 1. The world expects you to treat poorly those who treat you poorly. 
or to talk poorly about those you disagree with, but the world is blown away when you honor those who treat you poorly. All right, so uh, then we, we determine that we need to live at peace. We, we like to we tend to like division more than peace. What do I mean? Well, we argue with people. We want to have disagreements. We want to, you know, kind of play the devil's. I even hear, I even hear people always say, you know, I really enjoy playing. What do you think I'm going to say? The devil's advocate, right? Uh, Hebrews 12, 14 is very clear about that. Uh, our calling is to live in a way that would honor God, uh, say, uh, you know, and to not to bring, to bring about peace. Jesus actually said, if you remember in Matthew chapter 5, uh, the blessed are the peacemakers. First Timothy 2 2 talks about how we're to pray for our leaders. And then finally, to live missionally. Yep, we're supposed to live missionally. We're supposed to stand for our convictions, certainly. But don't, you know, we can't let things that we believe in so strongly mean that we're not going to share the gospel anymore. We, you know, we, we'll tell everybody we stand up for the unborn, and we should, by the way. Uh, we stand for a biblical worldview on marriage and sexuality, and we should, by the way. So stand for what's right. Support candidates that fight for conviction. But remember, it's the gospel that's the only thing that's going to ever change lives. Dr. Falwell, my uh, mentor when I was in college, he always said the only thing that politics is for is to stick the finger in the dam until we can share the gospel with as many people as possible. So what we don't want is we don't want the world to say we can't share the gospel anymore. That's the most important thing. Okay? Uh, All right. So number one, uh, number one challenge is this that uh, you need the right political perspective. And the second, political, uh, second perspective uh, challenge is that you need the right personal commitments. So as 2024 election cycle begins to consume us as a nation, uh, we need to make these commitments. Number one, I will talk about God's kingdom more than I complain about any earthly kingdom. So, you know, if you're going to err, err on talking about God's kingdom, all right? I, I, actually, I don't think you can err doing that. Uh, number two, I'm not going to let my politics ruin friendships and hinder gospel opportunities. You know, we can let our politics throw us in, throw throw a monkey wrench in everything and turn people away before they even hear the gospel, and that is not of God. Boom. Period. Number three, I'll pray more for our nation's leaders and post less far about our nation's leaders on social media. By the way, that would be a great uh, New Year's resolution. If you're making resolutions, I don't make resolutions, but if I was going to make a New Year's resolution, that's it. Number four, I will long for better days than I long for the good old days. One day, Jesus is coming back, and he's going to set up his kingdom, and that is what we long for. The good old, remember, we are, we are living the good old days right now. One day, we'll look back and say, oh, remember the good old days when? You know, it's always going to be that way. Um, so no matter what, if you've never put your hope in the king, or if somebody in your life connection group has not put their hope in the king, make sure that they know that this morning, in life connection, they can place their faith in the one who is the perfect king, the king who loves you and desires that relationship with you, the king who lived the life you couldn't live, died the death you deserved, and rose from the dead three days later. Turn to him by faith. Follower of Jesus, make those personal commitments that are going to change lives. All right, let's get into discussion questions. And by the way, I, I don't really need to do this as much anymore, but it certainly is a good review for me. So if I'm, I'm, I'm kind of selfish, I'm doing this for myself because I like to play the podcast and go back and listen and, and know what I'm going to be teaching on. Uh, I, I do that uh, either Friday, uh, excuse me, Saturday or Sunday, sometimes a little earlier. But anyway, the questions and answers are already built out for you, so you can use that. And it's called, use the date of the sermon and then the answers to questions, all right? 
So the sermon was last week, so the date is always going to be 0107 if it was uh, on January the 7th. All right? Oh, so uh, we're in Luke chapter 20, verses 20 through 26 still. So start the conversation. And the first one is a good sliding scale discussion. And, you, you know, how passionate are you about politics, 1 to 10 type thing? Uh, anyway, so if you're not passionate or you are passionate, you ask them why or why not, depending on how much they are talking or not talking. Uh, number two, would people know that know you say that you're more passionate about politics and more passionate about the kingdom of God? And then why? And by the way, this is a good ask because it asks what other people think. So people are usually more readily able to answer that question. So when they tell you what other people think. Uh, number three, how should followers of Jesus think about politics? Uh, be careful not to get too involved, though. I mean, this is a good thing. Uh, you, you do need to get the words out there, but you need to kind of weigh your class a little bit and make a determination whether this would be good. Uh, and I would say probably don't let someone who's passionate about politics, you know, numbers 8 through 10, and we all know them, don't let them take over the class. Uh, they can and will if you give them that opportunity, so be careful. Number four, what should be our role as followers of Jesus in politics? Well, this is going to take some deep thought, but should probably be steered toward issues based in the Word of God, like are, are you pro-life, what's your sexual identity, care for the unfortunate, you know, uh, child protection, pornography, enforcing laws. All those things are biblical models, and we can use them. So, uh, you know, those are the things we stand for. All right, let's jump right into the observation. And observation is, as we read this text, what do we see in the text? Remember how we do it with observation. People will give their opinions, and people will say, I heard someone say, I heard David Jeremiah say, I heard Charles Stanley say, heard Chuck Swindoll say, whatever. You know, or they might say, um, you know, it, it, this is how it applies to my life. And while those are good things and can help us, that's not what we're looking at in this section. In observation, what we're doing is saying, okay, uh-huh, I understand, but what does the text say? All right. So uh, first we're in verse 20, Luke 20, 20. Think about the events of Holy Week thus far that began when Jesus entered Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And this is the question. Why do the religious leaders want to hand Jesus over the governor's rule and authority? Well, the religious leaders want Jesus dead. We learned that from verse 19. They don't want the masses to follow Jesus. Jesus is a threat to their power. So there's three reasons. They want him dead. They don't want the masses to follow. And they're a threat to their power. Uh, but they can't put him to death. So what they got to do is they got to make him take a leap towards uh, over, overcoming the Jewish, uh, excuse me, not the Jewish, the Roman rule of that day. Um, so they could not issue the death sentence. Only the Jews, uh, only the Romans could. Uh, the religious leaders need Jesus to transgress against Rome. So they come together, who? The Herodians and the Pharisees, so they can trap Jesus. All right, uh, why, number two, uh, of course, read Luke 20, 21. And then why do you think the spies flatter Jesus? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? To set up the trap, all right? Now, think about the question the spies ask. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Why was this such a crafty question? Well, remember, it's a hot debate. They just put the poll tax into place just a few years before, 20, 25 years before. And uh, Denarius was a day's wage, and they were saying, that uh, you got to use a denarius to vote. And the Jews hated that because every time they paid it, they were reminded they were dominated by another empire. Imagine that we had Russian militia on every corner and imagine everyone having to pay Russian rubles every, every year, right? All right, um, read Mark 12, 13. We're going to jump into Mark 12, 13 because this is Mark's parallel account of the story. And it uh, talks about the Pharisees and Herodians teaming up, uh, teamed up, teamed up. So who were the Herodians? And how were they different than the Pharisees? Well, the Herodians supported King Herod 
in Rome, while the Pharisees obviously did not. Uh, what does the Pharisees and the Herodians teaming up show us about what they wanted Jesus uh, to do to Jesus? Whether they wanted to come together, trap Jesus, so they could kill him, right? All right, Luke. Uh, someone have read. Uh, have someone read Luke 20, uh, 22 to twenty-five. What's a denarius? It was a day's wages, and it was a coin that belonged to Caesar. And if your image was on it, you owned it. Caesar's image was on the coin, and so you were able to give him what rightfully belongs to him. That kind of goes ahead of the question, but it's all about a denarius. Uh, why would Jews have hated paying the poll tax that the Roman Empire required? Uh, you know, if a Jew, you didn't even want to carry a denarius in your pocket. It reminded you of that corrupt emperor who claimed to be a god. Uh, what was the significance of Caesar's face being imprinted on the coin? Well, Tiberius was the Roman governor. So, number one, that's how you identified what the, governor, uh, the, the uh, Roman emperor looked like. You could see his face on here, uh, much like we do in our own world. Uh, so, if you held a denarius in your hand, on one side you see an image of Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus, that's the adopted son of Caesar Augustus, who was considered a god. And then Tiberius, who was, if he was a son of Augustus, he was a son of God. And then on the other side, he was called high priest, the pontiff maxim. Uh, Tiberius was God and high priest of his own religion. And so obviously this was idolatry, and the last thing they wanted to do was be identified with idolatry. Next question, how does this response address human's responsibility to God? Well, the implication is you belong to God. Follow him. If God's image is now, we're not, God's image is not imprinted on a coin, because we don't know what God's in. God's image is imprinted on us. And our ultimate allegiance does not belong to Caesar. It belongs to God. You exist to live for him, not for Caesar. And not for Donald Trump. And not for Joe Biden. Not for Congress. They're going to answer to God. Because they all belong to God whether they realize it or not. All right. What was Jesus' response? He said, show me a denarius. Jesus doesn't even have one. He answers with a simple question. Whose image is it? And their answer is Caesar's. So Jesus' mind-blowing answer, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and then give to God what belongs to God. The denarius belonged to Caesar, and if your image was on it, you owned it, right? All right, so how does this response address the question about paying taxes to Caesar? Caesar's image was on the coin, so you give it what rightfully belongs to him, and give God what rightfully belongs to God. Huge statement. Caesar's image imprinted on it, it was his. And so now we understand, and the implication is that God's image is imprinted on us. We belong to God. All right, let's jump into the interpretation. Uh, and we don't want you to skip this question. Uh, what's the main idea? You, you know, have your people pick out some words that, um, uh, to form your sentence. Uh, you might want to throw out a few ownership, Caesar, image, allegiance, Pharisees, Herodians, coin, God, uh, coin, gods, uh, God, comma, gods, etc., you know, uh, uh, all those would be good things. All right, let's jump into the theological reflection. And remember what we talked about. We already did this in the message, but we need to point people to Jesus. And it's, we need to point them that only God is great and only the kingdom of God is truly great. And we long for the days that Jesus, that Jesus points us to in Luke's gospel, the day that he will return and establish the eternal kingdom once and for all. We don't put our hope in political parties. We don't put our hope in world systems. We put our hope in the king. And so we need to place our faith in him. And this morning, they can turn to him by faith. All right, application, and we're done. Uh, how should we navigate the tension between uh, allegiance to the government and to our ultimate allegiance to God, okay? You are not primarily a citizen of the U.S. As a follower of Christ, you are primarily a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. 
The king has told you to honor God, to honor others, Proverbs 8, 15 to 16, to live at peace, Hebrews 12, 14, and to live on mission. Remember, the gospel is what changes lives. The reality is you need to talk about gospel more than you talk about where you stand or on hot button issues. All right, then go have uh, someone read 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. How can we do a better job of praying for our leaders, all right? We need to pray things like make it uh, that they would make it possible for, tra to, for tranquility and peace, to have tranquility and peace. They need to make decisions that would allow for godliness and dignity. They need to know the goodness of God, and they need to come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. Those are great opportunities to pray for our leaders, all right? Number three, read Romans 13, 1 through 7, so have someone read that. And then ask this question, how can we do a better job of honoring our leaders? Well, pray more for them. Uh, give them what's due them. You know, don't steal from them. Um, honor and love them. Obey them and the laws that they've made, unless they go against God's word. You know, but typically you obey the laws and they may. I mean, that's what Paul said, obey the laws. And in Rome, he could say that. How much more could he say that in the United States of America? Number four, what personal commitments do you need to make in 2024 to live out what Jesus is teaching you in this passage? All right. Well, you might need to talk about uh, committing to things like, I'm not going to, I will talk more about God's kingdom than I complain about earthly kingdoms. I won't let my politics ruin friendships and hinder gospel opportunities. Maybe, you know, one of these should ring a bell with them. I'll pray more for our nation's leaders and post far less about our nation's leaders on social media. And then I will long for better days more than I long for the good old days. All right. So uh, use all those things and say, okay, what is one of those things you can start this week? Okay, what is the one thing that you need to work on the most? What is one thing that hits your heart the most? Or what, what is it that you are and you need to change? What do you need to repent from and turn to God? And, of course, if someone needs to know Christ and have their hope in the kingdom of God, then this is their opportunity. All right, guys, that's all we have for you. I hope it helped a little bit. And uh, do use that answer and question uh, guide. I think it will help you a lot and uh, just go through, uh, go through it. Now, I, I typed this out, so there's spell errors on it and everything else. You just kind of have to look pa past that. I'm already working several hours on it, so I'm not doing a good job editing and, uh, anyway. So just kind of put up with it. If, if I don't have a dot somewhere, if I hadn't put enough, uh, um, uh, I don't know, whatever it is, it just uh, please, uh, please bear with me. The information is there. I think it will help you immensely. If you do have questions about it, though, if something didn't make sense, then please let me know. And there is going to be re repetition because we're trying to get questions, uh, answers out of people. So if you don't need to repeat some of the stuff that's on there, don't do it. You know, some of it is repeated here and there. So uh, use what you need. All right. Well, let's pray and we will see you on Sunday. Father, thank you so much that we are citizens of another kingdom. We are strangers and aliens. We are not of this world, Peter tells us. Lord, you say that we are to give what belongs to Caesar to him and what belongs to Jesus to him. We belong to Jesus. Lord, we want to give ourselves completely, totally, and fully to him. Jesus, my life belongs to you. Maybe in your Life Connection group you can ask that prayer and then ask them if they want to pray that. All right? Be a good opportunity the image of God on them. Jesus, you belong to me. Uh, I belong to you, excuse me. And you too belong to us too. Lord, we love you. Give us a great time. If there's anybody in our class that doesn't know you as Savior Lord of your life, their life, may today be the day they surrender to Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray.
God bless you guys. Thank you.